episode 24 in the Big Brother house. Is that good? Here's Madeline. You may want to put me up, but I'm still here standing strong. Is that the feature over and done with already? No. I like I like how you didn't comment on how when I asked you what you thought of my big brother impression just now. I think it's better to move on. Dear eighty nine. It's pretty it's alright. Dear this in the backyard with the chickens. It's pretty good. Good, thank you. Um, yeah, Madeline Rose, uh, Madeline Official Music. Um, we uh, ran into her metaphorically. Uh, in at the Vocalize You Winter Retreat about two years ago, wasn't it? That's correct, yeah. And she's a lively little thing. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Uh, just that she's got a lot of energy and, more importantly, great singer, good music. Good songwriting. And yeah. I tell you what, she's got behind that YouTube video. There's a lot of views on that and she's... um. She's what you need to be in this business is a shameful, shameless self promoter. A shameful, shameful self promoter. No, shameless self promoter. She gets out there and gets goddamn dirty, doesn't she? Um, hence why she? she is successful um, and she does really great out in, in Los Angeles. Uh, so you can find her at. Her name is spelled Madeline, as in M O M A D L Y N music.com um, and that song is called Kiss Me Goodbye but I'll put it in the show notes thank you what episode is this again? 24 24 so episode um, the com forward slash podcast forward slash 24 the number there's Madeline so we've just got a little bit of uh, heads up about our good friend inspire, inspirational Joshua Alamu the man himself the man himself he's putting on an amazing event this summer as he did last year and the year before, and the year before was it? Mm, no. This oh, this could be the third the third, third year. I think. I think. Is, yeah. Um, yeah, ultimate artists. It's pro as far as I'm aware, it's the only thing that's doing. It's the only event that does what it does in the UK at the moment. That's right. I mean, Vocalize You is the American one. Mm. Um, they're totally separate, by the way, but it's the American kind of equivalent of the same uh, kind of vibe. Um, but uh, yeah, Josh is the only guy doing this. He founded it with uh, another excellent singing teacher called Ali Tennant. Um, and it's on the 17th to 24th of August. Now go and check it out at ultimateartists.org. Now they've got m so many workshops on over eight days. Um, it's just north of London. Uh, they'll have songwriting classes. You'll get one-to-one -one vocal technique lessons every day. Uh, There'll be vocal technique classes, um, musical theatre, so uh, some really reputable musical theatre people are coming in to deal with issues for those type of students, but there are R&B singers, soul singers, there's a showcase at night. Um, it's awesome, isn't it? If you don't walk out at the end of the week going, 
that's changed my life a little bit, then what's, what should they do? Well, maybe take a bloody good look at themselves. Joking. Have a go at us, that's what I was going to say. Joking. So blame somebody else. Yeah, all right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So blame us. And <laughs> only because, and for one thing, if you spend time with Josh, you spend a little bit of time with Josh, you walk away going, that's changed my life a little bit. Yeah. He is one of those people. That's not even holding, that's not even talking it up, is no. it? That guy is just wonderful. So if you consider that one man can do that, the whole week there, you will definitely, if it's, if it's your thing, if you're a singer-songwriter, if you are clearly musical theatre this time around, if you want to take a step up in this industry, then... Have a serious look at this. Yeah. Where do they find it? Um, you do find it at ultimateartists.org. Like we say, this August the 17th. Go and check it out and uh, enrol if you fancy it. Um, but on to today, we have the enviably witty and attractive... Um, any other words for her? Quite a I few, th- isn't there? I don't think we've felt this way since Rachel Lawrence... Have we? Oh, I was going to go all the way back to say, like, Pamela Anderson. Oh. Do you know I mean we could go back that far, can we, do you think? So you compare Rena Gu- Dr. Rena Gupta to Pamela Anderson, is that what you... They're different animals, clearly. No, they're animals. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, can you just... I, I just, I'm, I just no, 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 I'm just... I really am intrigued. Like, what do you mean? Like back in the day... Animals? Like back in the day, when I was... However old I was, 12, and I was thinking, I would definitely marry Pamela Anderson. I'm sure you, the word wasn't marry. <laughs> I wasn't using any words apart from marry back then. I would hold, I would hold hands with her. Uh, but um, Rena's one of those, isn't she? She's got kids. She's married, you know. But I've got, you know, long-term partner. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> and do you know what? You to be honest, control. to be honest, she's probably going to transcri- transcribe this podcast and then smack me in the face when she gets home. Natalie, you have full. You have the green light for me to smash Chris in the face and, after talking that way. And for some reason, right. Steve looked at his watch when he said that. <laughs> Natalie, you have, and I thought he was going to say about five minutes to pack your bags. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. But no, Rena is amazing, and if anybody is, oh God, we're dishing out the compliments today. But if anybody can spend a bit of time, Rena, you will know what we're talking about. She is just. In fact, let's just very quickly. Oh, this is really off the cuff, but let's just find. Lisa's... You're just clicking your finger. Lisa's summary of her on Facebook, within the forum. Can you just quickly find that? I know it's internal, but this is a great summary of Rena Gupta, the person you're just about to hear on this podcast. There we are. Here, you got it? You got it there? I've got it. I've got it here. Right. Read. So this is internal. So this isn't like, this isn't like us telling people outside, just trying to market and tell everyone how amazing... Rena Rid, so they listen to the podcast. This is inside our the little VIP family, and Lisa Helper from where is she Nashville now? Nashville, yeah. Yeah, she's a, again a, a, just a brilliant person. But she wrote, uh, "We all know what a star Rena Gupta is, but I don't think we can truly fathom her generosity and dedication. Rena is in capitals beyond." Uh, thank you for everything you give. Uh, she's such a great communicator. I love how she swells her deep knowledge and experience with humour, finesse, and her beautiful smile. Beautiful. I'm filled with gratitude for her. And that really is a superb summary. Those words that she's used there, I, I'd, never, I'd never use those kind of words. I, I'm not that clever. She's great. But, but, but Lisa's great. Rena's great. 
have a listen to this. You'll know what Lisa means, you know what we mean. Here's Dr. Rina Gupta on nodules and that. Hello. Well, uh, welcome. I'm excited about this one, truly. Having met you several times before and thinking, we need to get this woman. She's got a voice for radio. Oh, so sweet. Not a face for it. That's an insult. And a personality as well. That's what I like. Yeah. Thank you. But this is Dr. Rena Gupta. Dr. Gupta, Rena, whatever. Um, she is a laryngologist. And for people that don't know what that is, uh, including me, <laughs> I'm going to attempt pass, to pass it over. <laughs> I think it's an ENT surgeon that has specialised in larynx. I like that definition. Is that right? I like it. it. It's exactly that. You've done ENT, but then you really like the voice. You really like the larynx and all its functions. And so you decide you're going to devote your career just to that. And you take time to learn about it more, how to diagnose problems of the larynx, how to treat them better. And you spend a year or more in something called a fellowship in the U.S. I don't know what your equivalent is, but you spend that year developing those skills so that by the time you're done, you should be an expert in how to care for laryngeal problems. And for me, I've narrowed it even further into just voice problems. So I consider myself the voice subspecialist within laryngology. Right. So you've, you deal with only vo professional voice users, right? Really only professional voice users. And who falls into that category? Depends on who you ask, but since you're asking me, <laughs> um, I consider almost anybody who uses their voice for their living to be a professional voice user. So even myself as a physician, I consider myself a professional voice user. If I had a voice problem, I couldn't do my job comfortably because I spend hours all day talking, interviewing patients, trying to get to the bottom of their problem. But most of my practice is going to be the actors, the singers, people who really use their voice on that Olympic level. Okay. And voiceover artists too? Yes, absolutely. Big time. Absolutely. Okay. And just, just in case, I just realized ENT probably hasn't cleared that up for uh, most people, but that's ear, nose and throat. Yes. Surgeon. Not an ambulance driver. Yeah. That is yeah. correct. I think this is going to be an episode that everyone, well, most, most of our listeners is going to want to get a piece of because of um, the worries with the voice and everyone's like, oh, have I got nodules? Mm -hmm. However, before we get stuck into that, I think it'd be awesome if you could just give us a little bit of a, of a background, of, uh, tell us your story of how you got involved in what you do now and, and why. Sure, of course. That's okay. Um, I love the voice. I have had music in my life since being very young and I've always studied voice. I've taken voice lessons. I've sang in choirs or acapella groups every minute that I could and I knew that I also loved medicine and I wanted to become a physician. And so I sort of thought I would have had to give up my dream of having music in my life as a professional. And so as I was continuing along the trajectory of medical school and you know college before that, I still would always sing because that was my outlet. That would be a way that I could continue to have music in my life, even as I'm studying organic chemistry or something equally painful. And when I was in medical school, I had no idea what specialty I was going to enter because at that point I didn't know about this field. But what I did know is I still wanted to sing. And so I joined the medical school choir as the only medical school nerd who would do such a thing. <laughs> I was the only med student in that choir. But the conductor of the choir was actually a laryngologist. He's also duly degreed as a DMA. And so he ran this medical school choir. And I would sing in the choir, and I really enjoyed it. But it was really, for me, still just an outlet. But he said one day after choir rehearsal, have you ever thought about doing laryngology? And 
I frankly said, I have no idea what that is. Um, but then he invited me to his office, and I saw how he was treating singers, and I saw stroboscopy, and I saw the capacity to help a singer heal. And from that day, that was my second year of medical school, from that day on, everything I did was geared towards eventually earning a seat in a fellowship to get to be a laryngologist myself. It was, um, it was a really nice alignment of passion and profession. Mm. And where, where are you at now then? It's the Osborne Head and Neck Institute, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. I'm in Los Angeles at um, Osborne Head and Neck Institute, which is out of Cedar sinai Okay, cool. Yeah. That's, that's interesting, your story there, because I've always wanted, we've obviously, Chris and I have been very open about our love for your presenting, and uh, all jokes aside, that must be where you've got to... <laughs> on air and in private. <laughs> yeah. we, honestly, Winnie, we've mentioned it's it on this podcast. All, no. <laughs> yeah. But that must be where you've got your skill from, your, your kind of performing background, as well as the, the, your, your knowledge from all of your studies. But cause normally what you find is that people that know all about stuff can't normally present it in a way that is... is um, it's easy for people to understand. Um, and that's one of the things that, yeah, we find that you... And not insanely boring? Is that what you're trying to skirt around? <laughs> Just trying to... I'll take so compliments. diplomatic. However they come, you may all compliment me. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I actually um, combated some unbearable shyness as a preteen. And it was getting on stage that, that really did help me to say, it's that fake it till you make it mentality. Yeah. Mm. When you're on stage, you can't be in a corner. And so it... I think forced me to act a certain way until I was that way. And teaching is another real passion of mine. So I know how I learn and I'm not the most read a book learner. I need it to be explained to me a certain way. And so my teaching approach is if I can understand it, how I understand it, I'm going to try and articulate it back to the audience. And it, I think I'm pretty simplistic in my thinking. And so then as long as you teach that way, it becomes clear, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But I appreciate that. Yeah, we love it. And we have a class with you later on, don't we? You do. About some stuff. No, drink your be coffee because really, it's, really cool. it's quite late, so drink some coffee, but <laughs> it'll be good. So, yeah, we, uh, what was, was going to be the proposed name to this episode? Nodules. Nodules in capital letters with probably three exclamation marks at after least, it. At least. Do I have them? Uh, <laughs> is my career over? Right. Okay. I love it. And that's, I think... Uh, you know, we've heard you have do talks before mm -hmm. why it's not nodules, mm -hmm. which is, again, a really cool thing because mm -hmm. nodules is a very scary word for any singer mm -hmm. um, or voice user, as we mm -hmm. find out anyway. And uh, there needs to be some reassurance out there, doesn't there, that just because your voice is kind of going downhill a little bit doesn't mean it's catastrophically nodules. Mm -hmm. And also the, all the... Um, uh, the, the go-to for surgery too soon for it. So what we'd like to do is talk about nodules, put it to bed. Okay. What do they sound like? How do you treat them? What can people expect if they ever get them or how to get them? So should we, should we explain firstly what, what is a nodule? For sure. Um, what are nodules is the question because they are paired. So you'll never have a nodule right off the bat, but nodules are frictional problems. They're problems of friction of the vocal cords at the point of maximal contact. So right in that middle third, that's where cords contact first. And if you're using your voice incorrectly for a long period of time, that friction will make the lining get thicker and thicker and thicker until it becomes more like a callus than soft. So if you imagine your natural lining is like what's on the inside of your cheek, very glossy, very smooth, very soft, a nodule is going to be more like the pads of your finger, very rough, very tough, um, because 
your cheek does not experience friction and your fingers do. So that's what your body does when it's trying to protect the underlying tissue from friction is it thickens the outside. Right. Okay. So it's your body's defense, really. Okay. And you, you mentioned um, when you use your voice incorrectly over a period of time. If for someone who doesn't have nodules yet, but might be exhibiting symptoms in their singing of what might be nodular mm -hmm. technique, mm -hmm. how would you describe someone singing that might encourage nodules? There's what I call a nodular personality, which is going to kind of set you up for nodule formation. So it's going to be in your speaking and your singing voice. The nodular personality is the entertainer. It's the one who's telling the stories at the bar, who's laughing the loudest, who's talking over everybody else. That is already a setup. But then in the performing world, you're going to have somebody who takes that personality into their performance. The overuse, the overloud, the misuse, using too long, too loud, too often, no rest periods. And from the technique side, not having often a good vocal coach to identify those behaviors and help to scale them back so that you don't get nodules. So it's kind of, it's not just your singing habits that tend to get you into a nodular place. It's usually a combination of lifestyle. Right on. That's that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, if somebody's at home thinking, I don't know what's going on, but something feels strange, mm -hmm. what, what's, the pro, what's the process for that person? What would, you, what would you have them do? My thing right off the bat is to use our own ears as a vocal coach, as a singer yourself, as a doctor, I will first sit and just talk to you. And if you have clarity to your speaking voice, so you can hear, I'm reasonably clear. Do I end my sentences in a little bit of a fry? Yeah, because that's what we do. But the general tone of my voice is clear as is the tone of both of you. I'm sure I got verb tense wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that to me means you cannot have nodules. Nodules will disrupt your voice in all pitches, including speaking pitches. So if your speaking tone is clear, there's not frank nodules. Does it mean there's nothing wrong? No. But could you have a little bit of swelling? Could you have another, you can have another problem. And swelling can be the precursor to nodules, yes. right? Yes, yeah, over time. But to me, nodules deserve their own category outside of that scale, that progression of soft swelling to firmer swelling, because they are much more difficult to treat and they are more of a problem. But that soft swelling is not. So you can have soft swelling, clear tone, easy to fix. Hoarse, raspy, kind of gritty tone, firm nodules, harder to fix. So the distinction actually does matter to me. You're not going to earn that nodule diagnosis for me, unless I can hear it in your speaking voice. That's interesting because I, I heard one report that it needed to be above an octave. Like it, the change needs to be across that octave for it to to um, point in the direction of a nodule. But you're saying that's not the case. It can be in the speaking As in voice. diagnosed by taking them into a part of a range. Yes. And then seeing the yeah. result there. Yeah. I, I personally don't agree with that. I've never heard a nodular voice, meaning I've never scope someone seen nodules but not anticipated it based off of hearing their speaking voice. Right. Um, because, again, think about that definition. It's off the vocal cord edge. It's a frictional problem. So it's right there sitting on the edge. So no matter what you're doing with your voice, that edge is being engaged. So whether you're speaking or singing, just think about how I'm speaking right now. I'm not just speaking on one pitch, right? So I'm dancing around a good four or five pitches, if you will. 
the nodule will impact all of those because it's right on the edge. So, you know, if I was going to stay down here all the time, maybe you might mask it if you stay in one pitch. But conversational speech is not monotone. And so you do hear it in a speaking voice, in my opinion. Mm. Especially if you're Tony Robbins. <laughs> for sure. And we, we can discuss his problems. As in, he is, he is nodular for sure. There's something wrong. His voice mm. is insane. But the amplitude at which he speaks and is wild. And the pitches for his energy when he, when he speaks, he, he, must have, he must be talking in two octaves. <laughs> yeah. And if, if he did lose his voice, if, he's not a singer. Mm-hmm. But his whole business is built on communication, mm-hmm. webinars, videos. Mm-hmm. He does write books and stuff, but mm-hmm. it, w- it, must, it would severely affect his income if he couldn't keep making vo- recordings, podcasts and whatever, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. So people do underestimate nodules in other professions, I think you said earlier. I think people, Professional voice users is broad. Yeah, I think people underestimate voice in general. I always say to people, when you go out at night, People find it this expected thing that, oh, the next day I'm hoarse because I went out at night. But if I told you with any other sense, if I said with your vision, the next day your vision's going to be a little blurry. Oh, it's because you went out at night. Would you go out with that frequent? No. Right. You know, but it's because that voice has the ability to restore to what we perceive as normal that we really are much more casual about abusing it than any other system. But it is those little episodes of chronic, I went out, I'm hoarse, I still have to talk, I still have to gig, I can push through it, then you do develop those kinds of injuries versus if it's like, again, I went out, I'm a little blurry, I'm gonna wear my glasses today that get me through this day, and I'm gonna wear stronger glasses. It just doesn't make any sense with any other system. Mm -hmm. But we really do abuse our voices because it is a system that forgives you a lot. Yes. Until it doesn't. That's a great link, actually, to what other situations really... I mean, cause you, I, I hear things all the time say, as you just said, mm-hmm. oh, I went out last night or you know, this weekend I had some heavy gigs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a level of expectation, I think. Mm-hmm. When, I come and see, when we come and see you, um, I spend time at the, the VU camp, I go home with a new sense of that just isn't right to be mm-hmm. doing that, you know? And, mm-hmm. and as you said, the norm becomes something that shouldn't be normal. Absolutely. So what would you, I mean, after a weekend of, you know, slight puffiness, is, should that be ruled out? Should we be looking to, to, to kind of eradicate all, okay, this morning I'm feeling a little bit. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think we have to be realistic because we are living in a social world. And I can't say for a singer, stay in every night, you know, don't talk to your mom on the phone. It's not realistic. But there's a happy medium. And again, take that nodular personality concept. When you go out, you don't have to be the life of the party. It's okay to be a little bit more passive and listen a little bit more. And I, I actually think your friends will like you more if you listen a little <laughs> bit more because we don't listen enough, right? But Social advice from Dr. Gutter. There you go. <laughs> one-stop shop. But, you know, when you go out, don't also drink. Don't also smoke. Rein in the vocally abusive activities. The next day, take a few hours and rest your voice. Be reasonable and your voice will fall in line. But it's because we put every demand on it. I should be able to go out. I should be able to talk. I should be able to smoke. I should be able to wake up in the morning. I'm going to do my warm-up and I should be able to sing. You don't treat any other body part this way. And so I say be reasonable. Okay, and that, so if we look to if we look to the diagnosis of nodules, 
I know you, you have fairly strong views on what equipment should be used. Mm -hmm. Misdiagnosis is common. So mm -hmm. can you talk to somebody about like if they have a fairly strong idea from speaking voice and singing voice, they might have nodules and they're going to book an appointment. What would be the questions you would say to ask for when you get referred? Sure. Who, who well, am I seeing? Let's go A to Z, right? In the beginning, you think you have nodules. So listen to your own voice. Are you raspy consistently? Is your vocal break wider? Have you lost some notes off the top? Those are all signs for you as a singer that there's something going on that might be nodular. Those three things. Raspy consistently, widened vocal break, missing off the top. Then you ask your vocal coach. Sing through it with them, that same thing. Okay, now can they help you negotiate that wider vocal break? Is it just that you've slipped into some bad habits? Or are they also saying, nope, your vocal break is wider than I'm used to it being. There's something going on. So now you've gotten rid of the panic of probably 80% of people because that alone, those, those two steps, will make most people realize they don't have nodules. But now you've got conf confirmation theoretically from your vocal coach. So now you've got to do your due diligence and figure out what's going on on the inside. So my thing is, again, first, ask your vocal coach. Do you have a laryngologist that you work with that you recommend? And if they give you a name, that still doesn't mean your job is done. Now you have to investigate. So what I tell my singers to do when they're in different cities is call the office. If they can't get a recommendation from me, call the office and ask that front desk person. And this is a weird thing to propose, but ask the front desk person if their doctor is a fellowship-trained laryngologist. You would not necessarily expect the receptionist to know that, but I'll tell you that if the answer is yes, the receptionist does tend to know it. Yes. Right? Okay. Because that's something that And we would have to find out of. what the equivalent in the UK is. Yes. Because you know, yeah. people can call up and ask, but an ENT would be able to do something, but mm -hmm. is not a specialist. Is that what we're saying, it's right? Very, exactly. So in that ENT training, you're not going to get that extra voice training. So then in the UK, you might just simply ask, is your doctor a voice specialist? That might be all you can ask for in that setting. You let me know. I'm not 100% sure about what you have. Yeah. But then the next question is, what kind of scope is used? One of my pet peeves, as you alluded to, is that phrase, I got scoped. And the reason for that is that it encompasses such a broad number of technologies that some are good for voice and some are really not sufficient, but they all can be referred to as having gotten scoped. So what I tell people first and foremost is ask, is it through the nose or through the mouth? You want through the mouth. Through the mouth is going to be a rigid or a firm telescope basically that goes into your mouth. So if you know rigid in the mouth or just it, scope gets in the mouth, you're already, again, in a much better place. The last piece of the puzzle is using technology we call stroboscopy. And stroboscopy is basically a strobe light that you use through the telescope to give you an impression of the vocal fold vibration. And that's really all you need. I, I'm comfortable saying to a singer, if you get that video, even if you don't like or trust the doctor, get the video and send it to somebody you do trust, but that's the technology that needs to be in place to get an adequate exam. Just to clarify as well, the, the difference between the two, um, the rigid mm -hmm. and the flexible, mm -hmm. and why? Mm -hmm. So the rigid is larger, which means it carries more light, which you need. You're basically lighting up the tunnel of your throat. The flexible scope in your nose is about less than half the size. So it's gonna illuminate less, which gives you less detail, less resolution. The one in the mouth also magnifies more. 
So you get a zoomed in, more illuminated view. And then the third piece of the puzzle is that stroboscopy is much easier to do with the rigid. The technology is just in place to use strobe light with the rigid better than it is with the flexible. I do sometimes use a flexible, it has a place, but it's really, at that point, that's the icing on the cake. If you can at least get a good cake, we'll ice it later. Yeah, okay, cool. So I guess in the next stage really is if somebody follows those steps and then is diagnosed, mm -hmm. what are you, what, I mean, what are you? Diagnosed with nodules. Yeah, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Does it mean, there's a lot of psychology that's involved in that, there's a lot of... It's, uh, it's a loaded It's not just thing. get another job, is it? It's not, it never is. Lots of people think it's just, okay, mm -hmm. like, am I good at filing? I do. I'm not good at <laughs> yeah. filing and I hate it. Uh, but. Yeah, you couldn't hum along while you're filing, but that's not that, <laughs> that's not that inspiring. I, um, I actually don't mind the nodules diagnosis. I think it's gotten a bum rap because it's been a misdiagnosis for most people. When you use that scope in the nose, everything looks like nodules. Every problem does. Phlegm even. The phlegm does, the good problems to have do, and the really bad problems do. So that's an issue of misdiagnosis, but you can get nodules then lumped in with career-ending diagnoses, when the reality is the nodules aren't that bad. Because they're calluses, they're reversible. So if we just work with the singer and modify technique, you might need a little bit of medication, you might need kind of some simple additional modalities, they should go away on their own. So I don't mind the nodules diagnosis, and I actually wish some of my patients who have worse diagnoses had that, because right. that would be much easier to fix. So far from being career-ending, I actually think, you know, we can work with that. So what are your thoughts then, because um, almost, when I first started out as a vocal coach, almost exclusively when someone said nodules, someone else said surgery. Mm -hmm. um, I would say in, I'm losing count, how many years? In a lot of years of doing voice medicine, I think I've operated on three sets of nodules. You have a youthful face. I'm guessing I two years. Two, negative two, yeah. actually. I'm aging backwards. <laughs> I'm aging backwards, yes. yes. You are correct. Um, but it's been a while. It's been a little bit longer. And I, nodules are not an operative diagnosis. The few I've operated on, I still can go very conservative because of the what we call the pathophysiology, because of how they form. I still know that if I can reverse 80% of it, your body will heal the rest of it. So I will be very, very conservative and then implement technique and implement adjunctive things to let your body do the rest of the work. My personal bias is your body will always do better at healing something than I will do. Because there is a definite danger with the knife. Always. What, what is that danger then if, if it goes wrong? Any vocal surgery risks accidentally or yeah, usually accidentally sacrificing the vibrating tissue in the vocal cord. The nodules occur outside of that, but nonetheless, it's a millimeter's difference. So if we're really talking about the margin of human error, the individual anatomy, there's so many variables with surgery, but if you accidentally borrow too much tissue from that patient, that's an irreversible loss. And that's also why I'm so conservative because again, as long as I leave you your vibrating layer, I'm happy to leave a little bit of nodule behind because your body will fix it. It wants to fix it. Uh -huh. You just have to be part of the fix. 
Because some people might go for the fix because I like the way I've heard your lectures before and you use cold hard steel. Cold steel, my friends. Uh, yep. Which is really cool. So yeah. instead of laser, uh -huh. which is why for you? Well, laser, very few laryngologists use lasers. Um, and the reason is that it has a very specific role, but excising or removing things is not the best role for that laser because it induces what we call thermal injury. It heats up the tissue. That's how lasers work. It heats up the tissue. So the laser that we have to use to cut heats up water. That vibrating layer is made mostly of water. So when you cut to cut the water, you also can risk the vibrating layer. Does that make sense? Yes. The lasers I use are not to cut. They don't target water. They target blood. So I'm using lasers to target blood vessels. Totally different problem. And it To stop bleeding. To... It's a little bit of a different problem, but have you ever seen those really big, juicy blood vessels on people's vocal cords, especially women? They can cause repeated hemorrhages. They can pop, essentially, and leak blood into the vocal fold tissue, into that jelly layer. So I will seal that vessel with a laser to prevent it from re-bleeding. But lasers for removing things, I don't think is ever advisable. Right. So if we look at um, if we look at the rationale for why you would consider surgery, mm -hmm. what is the recovery time with surgery and the recovery time without? And is that is that what why you would sometimes consider surgery when when mm -hmm. the when the time is pressing? Mm. Is That's that a really good question. Um, I I use the analogy of pregnancy. Having been pregnant, I feel like half the population can relate to it. Um, it took you nine months to get overweight and pregnant, and it'll take you that same amount of time to lose it. You know, we, women give ourselves a good year after pregnancy to lose the pregnancy weight. Same idea here. It depends on how long it took you to develop your vocal problem, to develop your nodules. It will take you a longer time to reverse it if you have been sitting on it for longer versus if it's you just got this diagnosis and it's pre-nodules or it is nodules, but it's been about a month, we can usually get that to reverse sooner. So what I usually kind of put this whole formula together in is if you really did earn yourself a nodules diagnosis, but it's a fresher diagnosis, I can almost always reverse it without surgery. If it's been two years and you've not really been participating in any kind of rehab process, then we're not going to get a quick fix here. Right. Can you still get fixed without surgery? Yes. Are your odds lower? Yes, unfortunately. At that point, chances are you're going to need surgery. Right. But if you need surgery, again, surgery done well, surgery done conservatively, I can get that singer back in about four to six weeks. Right. And, and that's not bad. There's the case for getting things diagnosed early. Yes. Because four to six weeks is either short or long, depending on what you're doing in your career. It could yeah. be career ending. Completely. And for some, for some singers out there, famous ones, it has been, right? Yes, absolutely. Ju Julie Andrews. Oh, don't. Who and she suffered, she was one of the small percentage who didn't recover from surgery, right? She, I can tell you for sure she did not recover from surgery. What that surgery was, there's some mixed information about, but... Um, Very diplomatic, Rena. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told Do not that slag before. off your peers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, that's an example of overly aggressive surgery for sure, because what she lost was the vibrating layer. And that's why that raspiness is there. That's why vocal range has been lost. It's the vibrating layer that gives us all of our vocal properties that she um, highly is likely to be suffering from a loss of, based off of what I can hear. Mm.
It's so delicate. I think that's what we get down to, isn't it? It is. And I think that such people think it's instrument. such a simple issue to just snip something off. But again, you're talking about millimeters. A laryngologist is working at a distance because the larynx is pretty far in you. So our instruments are about a foot long and you're under Those a microscope. Those tiny little scissors on the end of... It's wild, isn't it? It's really, insane. when you look at the... Um, you have a steady hand. Can you hold it out? I just had a cup of coffee. Don't ah, do that because I, I can I lie. Don't I can lie. Yes, I don't caffeinate on surgical days. Oh, right Safe, on. Yeah, you're, you're looking. You're looking pretty steady. Yeah, sure. You should be a gunslinger. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it really, it's, it, it is a matter of millimeters, and that's where you don't want to get greedy. You don't want to go for the quick fix because the quick fix can result in an irreversible injury. I actually just had a singer the other day. We were talking about. Um, surgery, and she sees this one blood vessel that needs to be treated. And she says, just treat it and don't worry about the fact that there's a little bit of blood that I hemorrhaged around it. And I said, I can, in theory, but that vessel to the area of blood that I'm trying not to treat, there's probably a two millimeter gap in there. Do you trust that as a human being, I will definitely not even slip one millimeter? Mm. It's just not, I mean, it's, that's what we're talking about with vocal surgery is it's a matter of really small degrees and you have to be cognizant of that and not go for the quick fix and just think what what is another three weeks yeah for the sake of having a voice a forever, forever. A forever. And then just lose again, that's exactly what i filing. said to her yeah that's exactly what i said so i don't know if in a nutshell you can do this in a nutshell but the other pathologies that may mm. come about i mean are they less common you know everyone rattles on about nodules but it, polyp cysts what's, what's you know, the deal I'll say this i'll say that nodules get the bummest rap because polyps cysts phlegm everything looks like nodules so to the untrained eye catch to, yes so it's become a little bit muddy for that reason but all those other pathologies are gonna they're all pathologies are traumatic they're gonna be how you use your voice how much you use your voice um, and rest periods and all that. It's going to be a friction problem or a trauma problem. So the other ones are going to be quicker to come on. They're usually going to be, I pushed through a cold when I was singing, and so a blood vessel popped. I um, just had to do that one extra hour of recording, whatever it is. It's going to be usually on quick, a quicker onset than nodules, which takes some time to kind of develop. So that's another way to kind of calibrate in your head. Timing is really important to figure out what you might have or not have. But I always tell a singer, my singers anyway, I say you get one to two days of hoarseness before you come in for an evaluation. Because that's about the window of time that something that's easily reversible should reverse. If it doesn't, then that means it's something that we might need to do something about. If you feel yourself get hoarse, rest your voice, make an appointment, and wait and be seen. Because there is that little margin of safety if you rest your voice where we can treat most things instantly, but you just have to get in quickly. Um, all those other pathologies, if they're not treated with some kind of expediency, are often surgical problems. And that's why I say I prefer the nodules because they don't tend to be surgical. That was a good nutshell. You're awesome. Dun, I dun, like dun. that. Yeah. I was, I was looking at the clock thinking, Steve, don't ask what him. What a dumb We've got question. Like three freaking minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I think we've we got, we got Dr. Rena Gupta for crying out loud. I think we can go over on this one. <laughs> right, so, so I just want to... Uh, so the... Again, you've got a couple of days after 
an event mm. that may have caused something. Mm -hmm. um, so people are going to know uh, after day two or three, okay, this isn't recovering, that's a good idea to go and... I think most singers know the same day. So if you're right. horse the same day, a little bit, that's okay. A lot horse the same day, significant decrease in range the same day, troubling. Decrease in range and discomfort the same day, concerning. The next day, within a few hours, you should sound most of the way back to your normal self, as long as you're resting your voice during those morning hours. By midday, you should be back to normal. If you're not, continue to rest your voice and make that appointment. Most singers know. They, I mean, I've never had a singer come in and have them completely unaware that there was a vocal problem. They always know the delay is usually fear. But I always tell people in that first few days, we really can reverse almost every single problem back to normal. It's the fear and the delay that ends up causing nodules, polyps, the irreversible stuff, the more irreversible stuff. Okay. And just two, two more situations. So women, time of the month? More delicate. More delicate. We're more delicate in general. Ah, little flowers. Yes, we are. Always got excuses. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh. Oh, no, I went there. Sorry. And all the My listeners are going to be like, goodness. God, I'm going to switch off now. Don't worry. I'm advocating for the women in here. We <laughs> are absolutely more delicate flowers and particularly so on a monthly basis right before. So premenstrually, blood vessels dilate. I tell women the same vessels that dilate down south are dilating up north. So when they're dilated or larger, they're more at risk to rupture. It's a much less rude way of saying it as well, isn't it? Down south and like up north? That, oh, yeah. yeah. Up oh, north. Yeah. Yeah. I, have, I have children. I have to find a way to articulate things without being crass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, they, if they rupture, that's a hemorrhage. It's still not end of the world stuff, but for sure... You don't, I tell my singers, don't ever push during that premenstrual week. Get a clean... So it's right on the week, not like just before, just after... The premenstrual week. Okay. Oh, you're such a man. The week before, when you feel bloated... <laughs> Neanderthal. When you, exactly. <laughs> yeah. When you start breaking out, when you want the chocolate, that's when you're supposed to rein in your voice use. Okay. Um, the thing is, most women feel bloated and they take um, things to help diurese them or flush out the fluid, the extra bloated water, those things also make you more risk, at more risk for bleeding. So that's a fragile time, and that's why I tell women, come in when you're mid-cycle. I'm going to look, and if you have no vessels that are concerning to me, you're a little bit freer during that premenstrual week. But if even so during... So that can set the tone for further exactly, menstrual cycles. Exactly. But even in that mid-cycle, if you're dilated, then I know when you're premenstrual, now we're in a higher risk spot. I'm going to tell you to function at about 80% and don't take any Motrin, Aleve, Ibuprofen. Um, aspirin. You can take your... No aspirin, but paracetamol is Tylenol for you, right? Acetaminophen? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can take that. Okay, because yeah. there's um rolling on from that actually. There's a very interesting page on your website, Voice Case of the Week. Yes, which is awesome. And one of the things that was actually the most interesting on that one was My face. people that no. take. <laughs> you know, that's the best bit. <laughs> yeah, that's the best hard. bit. Um, yeah, because actually anything below that is usually quite gruesome to yeah. be fair. <laughs> but uh, but it was actually people taking supplements to um, for voice users yes. to keep themselves healthy. Yep. And they ended up being so blood thinning, mm -hmm. like garlic and ginger garlic and all that and stuff. Garlic and ginger. Which everyone's ODing on all the time. And that actually ended up exacerbating a yep. really bad hemorrhage. And she was a lawyer. Yes. And that, vitamin, and yeah. You can go and check that out on, uh, on their um, website in a second. Vitamin C, vitamin E, 
uh, ginkgo, ginger, garlic, the three G's. There's lists everywhere, but things that thin your blood increase the risk of hemorrhage. It's, it's bad news. Mm. So those could, herbal remedies, you have to be careful. You have to be very careful. Very careful. Make sure the risks outweigh the benefits. Love it. Blimey. Well, I know. I'm Don't sure you wish we was... could do this all day long? Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, me happy now as well. For sure. Um, I have two lovely children. Ah. And it's freezing. You must be... Are you, <laughs> you missing them? I am missing them. Mm. They're my babies. They're the best. My daughter's very musical. I think I've passed on a little bit of something to her. It's mm -hmm. my pride. Pushed it on? Yeah. Forced it upon Absolutely. Her. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's She's already do. doing piano lessons. Living She's four. vicariously. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we all intend to do that. I say I won't, but you know, it's going to yeah. You will be famous. Uh, yes, I exactly. Didn't make it exactly. <laughs> well, um, as we've got people literally coming in the door every two minutes, uh, <laughs> I guess we, I think we're keeping time someone's here is space. Up. Yeah. But if people want to, in, in the very much American way, reach out to you. They, what is your version of that? Well, get in touch. Yeah. Get in touch. Or probably just, you know, just forget about. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're very unemotional say, about the whole thing. Say you're gonna say you're gonna call them, but never do. Right. Um, um, what, what do they need to do? You can reach out on our website, voicedoctorla.com. There's a contact page there. Shoot us an email. Um, I'm the one who checks that account, so you'll hear back from me. Oh, beautiful! And yeah. any information that is just there for people to read, where would they go? Um, www. I feel like a commercial. Um, www.ohniww.org. It's a terrible URL. Um, but you can get Very there. Very memorable. You can get there from Voice Doctor LA too. OHNI Worldwide is what it was supposed to be. Okay, www. Good. I don't know. Sounds better. In I don't make the it? URLs. I just write the content. Worldwide. Yeah. You should have a sting. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh, How do you know I, I don't? Worldwide. Um, okay, great. That'd be great because there is some, I can vouch for that, some great stuff on the website. Thank you. It'd be great to read up more about um, your history and your experience. Thank you. But um, massive thanks. Thank you. And Thank this you is a moment that Chris and I have been waiting for, as you know, Aww. for about um, 12 months. What, the group hug bit? Oh, we're doing it right now. Yeah, we might as well with the mics on to muffle the tricks and noise. What actually is going on here? Let's do some cuddle. Slightly more friction on the microphone. We all have nodules. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It was awesome. Speak soon. Uber value, as we like to call that. Love to know if anybody has had any issues and or is experiencing anything at the moment that where they would think, okay, this is me. All key. <laughs> this, just slightly, just Scottish for a second, yeah? All key. All key. Um, Please but, let us know. But for the American clients, you know, she is in Los Angeles. She is so highly regarded in her field that if you're a, a professional voice user and you need someone who's going to get the job done, you basically call Rena, okay? And she is, like, giving sympathetic, empathetic talented so um, get in touch with her but if you're you know not in the US then please do follow um, her website and uh, I'll give you that now it's uh, oh she gave it to you on the podcast but yeah it's ohniww.org um, and there's loads of stuff on there you can read her blog she's great right great yeah so please get in touch with more questions uh, please join our mailing list at the nativevocalist.com um, so we can get in touch with you with like really interesting stuff. Not the stuff we talk about on here, but interesting stuff uh, that you probably want to know. So, cool. Is that probably right? Definitely right. I'm just thinking Saturday night. We probably want to be doing other things with our Saturday night, haven't we? So we 
yeah, I haven't got anything to do though. So. So you can come out with me, mate, but. Not really. Three's a crowd, isn't it? So. Alright. Well, have a good one, won't you? Have a great week, people. See you later. Yep.